Hi, everybody. This week's episode of Unangered Boston is brought to you by Our Best Foods, which features our best burgers available at your favorite local grocer. And Cold Springs RV, your destination for all things camping and where? We're in New Hampshire, of course. And the great George Gray at the great George Gray's Lexington Toyota. And we had a great guest uh, today. And we're so thrilled to have him right here. We're going to hit him around a little bit. We're going to have some fun with him, trip down memory lane. And he better show some R-E-S-P-E-C-T. That's all I know right here. The great Joey Marcino. Take it over, Bob. Joey, it's great to see you, man. You too, man. Really great to see you guys. Would you call me dad? No, I said man. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Nothing but respect for you, Loby. No, you know that. No, 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 no. Always. Because that's the way you treated me always, when you didn't have to. I have so many so many stories uh, involving Joe and getting fired at Channel 4 and one of the other. I just, it, we'll get to him later, Lynchy, all right? <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe we'll get to him earlier. <laughs> we do this show once a week, but the problem with the show once a week, like we try to do it, is that when your Celtics play every other night, you do a show, and then all of a sudden it's not a show anymore. It's it's dated. Then the next show is dated. Then the next show is dated. So how could you possibly, you have to wait till the whole thing is over. But I don't think anybody really expected this to be over, but it's over. Oh, it's over now, and this show's not going to be dated for a while because we've got it right on the right in the palms of our hands right now, what we saw last night. I mean, if you two were there with me, standing on each side of me the way we were for so many years, you would have been so disgusted by what you saw start to finish and the reaction by the team. And it seems like people want to make a, uh, excuses for what's gone on with this team at the end of the year. And I know you two wouldn't have had it at all that way. So let me ask you, Joe, what, what, what's going on with this? I mean, the, after game three, I mean, like I, I, as a guy I grew up around here, like, like you did, and Bob has been in for such a, I mean, I was embarrassed. That, that's the word embarrassed. What, what happened? Yeah. Sometimes you see that in a playoff series, that one blowout that sparks a team back to life. I mean, and that's, you know, maybe the hope there was, hey, they give up because that's what NBA players do now. And they say, we'll live to fight another day. And they did. And then they seem to have had a really good story in the making there, winning those three games. But I saw trouble at the end of game six. When it got tight, those guys, they, they're not built for it mentally. They're not mentally tough. And, you know, you have these two young stars and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, like I like to call them their first team and second team All-NBA during the regular season. That's when they are, okay? And then you look at the Miami Heat, you've got Jimmy Butler and Caleb Martin, their first team NBA and second team NBA in the postseason. And you saw the difference throughout this series. And, you know, I just, I don't know if it's, if, if it's because the guys that they were surrounded by from the beginning in their careers, you know, you had Kyrie Irving, as a mentor for these guys as young players. You had Gordon Hayward come in, unfortunate that he got hurt, but not an alpha dog, you know, more like Tatum, a little bit quiet, do his job. Um, you know, you had Kemba Walker come in and he had no juice. You just, you know, Al Horford's been in and out and Al can only do so much. And I just don't think they're built for it. I think they still need guys who have a killer instinct and they need alpha dogs and that's not what they are. But you said, Joe, you use the word disgusted. <laughs> disgusted usually is in terms of uh, disappointment 
in effort or disappointment in expectations or you're just disgusted. It's, it's different than being disappointed. Yeah. It's a lot different than being disappointed. Yeah. Disgusted is you're the two seed in the East with your two all pro players and have home court advantage and you lost to the eight seed, right? That's, that's disgusted. And, and, and then you got blown out in a game seven on your own floor. And I, I think Bob Lobel would be disgusted by that had he been standing next to me last night and would have made that very clear on the air. The yeah. reaction of the players, I think people just kind of focus in on player facial reactions, you know, how they're rubbing their face, how they're just hiding, kind of hiding behind. It, it all fit into a bunch of losers, for, for, for lack yeah. of a better word. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot has changed, as you guys know, in basketball and in the NBA. And you have a product where they play a regular season and you have a national media and you have a home team media on their network that just showers them with praise throughout the regular season and promotes the product. And then you have a fan base that believes that to be true. Then they play in the postseason and now the national guys step in who were promoting the sport during the regular season now are going to become critical. So you heard what Charles Barkley said at halftime. He was disgusted by what he saw. Right. And then you, you hear what Reggie Miller is saying during the broadcast, and that's the big reality check, I think, for everyone here in Boston. That's really interesting. I, I agree. I don't, thank you, don't you agree, Lynchy, that yeah. you hear guys like Barkley and, uh, and Reggie Miller stand up and say, you know, these guys are playing like crap. You know, this is this is not a selfie. I'm embarrassed by what I'm seeing out there. Uh, yeah. They're they're a great team when they're ahead. They're a great front running team. They sure um, are. They, they and then you know I, I was thinking about this um, this done regular season again. It's driving me crazy. Both the Bruins and Celtics were eliminated by the number eight seed, South Florida teams, and teams that just you know sort of had it you know downshifting a little bit during the regular season. And once the postseason started, boom, they just put it into overdrive and just played their best hockey and their best basketball of the season. Yeah, it's it's so true. And it's, you know, I, I don't want to go full negative on this organization because they've done so many things right. When you think about what they did, you think about what Danny Ainge did. I mean, he hits on Marcus Smart with the sixth pick in 2014. That's where it starts. He hits on that guy at six. Then he hits on Jalen and, and Jason and with the number three picks. It's not as easy as you think it is. If you go back and you look at these drafts and you see one through five. So that's that's the 14 draft and the 16 and 17 draft comes back in 18. He takes Robert Williams with the 27th pick overall. You know, he hits on that and then he hits on Grant to a certain degree at 22 in the next draft. So he's there's five rotational players of their eight. Now, Brad gets elevated, and he, he changes this around. He brings Al back, hits on that. We didn't think Al had le anything left in the tank. Then he, he brings in Derek White. What a trade that was. And then he brings in Brogdon. There's your eight guys that they put together. Problem number one is Ime Udoka gets suspended at the beginning of the season, who was a guy who could carry some great weight with these guys. Role player, former player, tough guy, walks the walk. They listened to him. Maybe they were a little intimidated by him, too, which isn't a bad thing. Right. He's gone. You bring in Joe Missoula, 
going to be a great coach someday, I'm sure. He's got all the makings of it. But you bring him in, you don't put any veteran guys around him. And, you know, I'm really interested to know, and I don't know this, whose call that was to remove that interim tag at the All-Star break. Uh, because also, Joe, they didn't – you hit right on it. They didn't bring any veteran guys in around him to help mentor Missoula. They didn't bring any, you know, life lifer bench guys, and there are plenty of them around him yeah. to back him up. Uh, and therein lies, I think, a huge part of the problem. Yeah, I mean, if you look at – you just go back through history. You can start with Swolstra. You can go back to – you know, to, to Phil, you can go back to all these great coaches. They always had a couple gray hairs on the bench next yeah. to them, you know, and that's what the Celtics need one or two of those. And they need some players who can carry some weight on that bench. But, you know, just to follow up, I don't know if that was Brad Stevens going to Wick Grosbeck and saying, Hey, I think we should remove this tag and give him, give him the, give him the head coaching job. Or was it Wick calling Brad and saying that we should do it? Because I think whichever way that went, that communication that could dictate what we see next with my this guess, situation. What would your guess be? My guess is Wick called Brad and I said, let's take I, it off. Are you with me? <laughs> yeah, what about I you, That Wick and his, you know, great yep. guy that he is, really He's wanted awesome. to do his coach a favor. Yep, yep. What about you, Lynchy? What do you think? I think the exact same thing. But I also, I, I, I'm not 100% sure that Missoula is going to be back as the head coach next year. I, it, prior to last night, I thought he had done enough to secure his job. But maybe it's reactionary last night and this morning, but I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I just see I see too many things. I mean, the not calling timeouts in the Philadelphia series. Um, you know, last night, Miami, you know, they threw a zone at the Celtics. And you, you go back to your junior high school days. There's only one way to beat the zone. Whip the ball around. Whip the ball around. And you yeah. catch the zone, finally in balance, and you get yourself some, some open looks. All they did was just stand out. The, they they mirrored the zone that the, that that Miami was playing. There was, yep. there was nothing. There was no ball movement, and and they're they're a team. I, I said it before. They're a great front running team, but they're also a team that if they they jump out to a hot first quarter, they're in control and they're playing the game in their terms. They didn't play one second of that game last night on their own terms. No. That was a shame. And and they are a front-running team, and they do – it does become contagious with this team, it seems, more than other teams we've seen, whether it goes sour or whether it's going great. It tends to go in that direction in a hurry. And I, I, I know the quick reaction around Boston is going to be like, we need to get rid of Marcus Smart. We need to get rid of, you know, Grant Williams. I, I'm sitting here and saying – Al Horford's going to be 37 years old next week. I don't know what more you're going to get out of him. You get rid of Marcus Smart and you get rid of Grant Williams, this team has zero toughness, mental yeah. toughness or physical toughness. Right. So you better find a way to either re keep those guys or replace them with guys very similar because that's not the answer, getting rid of the guys who actually have some fight in them. And I think your other point is that Missoula needs help. He does. Yeah, and I mean, his assistants are going to go down to Houston with Ime. That they're his Ime's guys. That's another element. You're, you're you're coaching with Ime's guys who are upset that Ime lost his job, and, and and you don't have any veteran guys. You have Brad Stevens, thankfully, but Brad's not on the bench. Brad's not making any calls during the game. He's not making adjustments during the game. I was watching the uh, I was watching the the Sixers series. And timeouts call, boom. And 
when Doc Rivers would walk out to half court, he had a collection of guys around him, and it was the old, hey, guys, what do you got? And you're hearing other, he's listening to other guys tell him what they saw. They're making notes. They're going back and forth, and then they go back into the huddle. You know how those NBA timeouts work. The players stay on the bench. The coaches walk out uh, onto the floor, and they have a quick meeting, and then they go back in. Then I'm watching the Celtics timeout, and it's just Joe Mazzulla with the board and no one's saying anything. He's just telling them what's going on. And I'm saying to myself, you know, you got to put some veteran guys around him. You really do. I mean, guys who – I mean, don't you want veteran guys around you when you're conducting business who see things you don't see? It's like anything in life. Yeah. Tex, Tex, Tex Winter was always around Phil Jackson. It's yep. always uh, – Pat Riley always had a guy like that around. Um, and you're right, Missoula – doesn't have he's he's just learning so many lessons so fast the hard way um and it's i i I feel bad for him um because this whole thing is like a blur you know elevated coach now the team's playing great and now the high expectations are up here and we're all saying okay all right the regular season means absolutely nothing i mean it means a little bit but you know and uh and here we go and I think he learned some really tough lessons. I mean, I, I thought he just got his ass out coached last night. I mean, just head to tails. Maybe you guys can answer this for me because I don't know. How do they backtrack this thing now? You just elevated this guy. You made the decision. You did this. This guy just bought a home. He moved his family in. He's locked in right now. Now, how do you backtrack this thing and, and actually fire this guy? Well, I, 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 I think they may do it. Um, I don't have any definite knowledge. I have, I have two sources that said a decision was already made in the Philadelphia series that, that, that they're not going to bring them back next year. Um, but you're right, Joe. Um, I, I don't know what they do with this guy. I, I, I don't know. I mean, do we send him to coaching camp this, uh, this summer? No. <laughs> you know? I mean. Well, they either get somebody, get somebody to help him or you cut him loose. I mean, I don't think it's it. I think it's one or the other. Yeah, I think you're right, yeah. Bob. Get, getting someone to help him. But uh, who? I mean, who? who's out there that, that that's a veteran assistant that doesn't mind being a mentor you know, on a bench, a guy that's been a, a, a lifer, basically? That's what you need. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting that they had Steve Silas in the building uh, it's during the Hawks series yes. and walking around, uh, obviously, with his connections because of his dad, who's passed away. Uh, in, and uh, was here, and I, I believe they were pursuing him in some way to come into the organization, whether as a consultant in the front office or potentially on the bench. So he's someone I would keep an eye on. Uh, again, a young guy, but you got to keep in mind, Steve Silas, as young as he is, he's, he's, and he's young, he's 50-ish. I mean, he was an assistant in this league for about 15 years yeah. before he got his head coaching job, and he grew up with it. So, I mean, he was someone who was on my radar that could be helpful. And I watched a number of players who had played for him. There were a couple on the Hawks and they, the way they came up to him and they had a lot of respect for him, the way they spoke with him. So I think the wheels are already in motion, I'm sure, trying to figure out how they can bring in some help here um, for, for Joe Missoula if they do keep him. Yeah. Well, how about I, the booze? I, what about the fans after the, how the, the fan reaction at the end? Well, the I'll, I'll tell you, I, I learned a few tricks. You know, I would watch you guys along the way, what to make note of. And uh, with 7.30 to go in the fourth quarter of a game seven, they were down by 19. Game's not over. 
Okay. It was over. We know it was over, but it's not over. There's seven 30 to go. That's when they started booing. That's when they started booing. Right. And Jalen Brown set them off with his eight turnovers. And some of them were, I mean, so painful to watch. And, uh, and you know, you're, you're a guy or a woman who paid $800 to sit in the last seat in the balcony. The players are about this big when you look down from that back row. You know, if I paid 800 bucks to sit in that row in that back seat, you bet I'd be booing after watching Jalen turn it over eight times. You know, you paid 100 bucks a turnover. That's what you paid for. <laughs> Hey, I'm getting hungry. Yeah. So, do you like do you like the grill, Joe? Yep. Here we go, Lynchy. You're good at this. <laughs> well, grilling season is here, New England, and you know what that means. It's time for our box of our best burgers in your freezer. You got a box, Bob, right there? I got it right here, Lynchy. Relax. Everything's cool. All right, pull them up. Everything's <laughs> out of control. <laughs> this is the classic part of the show. We we get things upside down, inside out. Oh, great. <laughs> Well, it's time for a box of our best burgers for your freezer. Now, whether you're in your backyard or off on a weekend adventure, enjoy flavorful burgers from Our Best for lunch or for dinner. I had one the other day, by the way. It's really good. Our Best Burgers have been a New England staple for over 40 years, connecting family and friends with great quality food. They're affordable, convenient, and most of all, they are delicious. Now, you have to look for the smiling chef. Bob is going to point out the smiling chef. You see him right there, Joe? All right, he's on every package at your local grocer's freezer aisle. For great recipes and money-saving coupons, go to ourbestfoods.com. Bob Bob loves this part because we've nicknamed the Smiling Chef. We've nicknamed him Pablo Bell. (laughs) Back when the Sox were in Winter Haven, we went down to uh, cover the Red Sox. This is in the 80s. And Channel 5, well, we could only afford a photographer and a truck operator, but Channel Channel 4 had people with Lobel. And every person, all 11 people, had their hotel rooms at the Holiday Inn. They checked in. They were ready. No room for Bob Lobel. None whatsoever. He's not happy about it. So tell him what happened. I ain't happy. I was just disappointed. Well, they always said that they they did find somebody in their list called Pablo Bell. (laughs) So I'll take the room. That's the true story. That's true. Nice. <laughs> right. So whoever called up and made the reservations, the person on the other end didn't hear Bob yeah, Lobel. Right. I got it. Yeah. Heard Bob Lobel. And so oh, we named the smiling chef on our best burgers, Bob Lobel. And every week we have to tell the story. And Bob loves when I tell the story, don't you, Bob? Oh, I love it every week. <laughs> hey, Mitch, you, know, you, you were in Colorado with the Red Sox one, uh, was 2007? Yeah. Lynch, was there, right? Yes. I know Joe was there. Yep. I was there. When the girl lifted her top up, were you out in the bullpen with us? Yes. Yeah, we, we were watching the game like that. Right right. Yeah, on that rail right in center field, it seemed like it was a good view, like where we could watch from. I think it might have been in right field, yeah. It was in right, right, yeah, right down the, by the right field line, and we were like yeah. in this little cage or something. Like so that. remember after the game, after the Red Sox clinched, you know, four straight, right? right like yeah. through Colorado. After they – there was it was a different on the field kind of ceremony. They brought Mike Lowell out to the mound, where he was interviewed as the MVP. Correct? Yes, he was. But then everybody had to scramble for their own interviews, right? And Amos, you were doing Francona. Yeah. Because he was right. He's on your show. I mean, yeah. Sunday night show. I knew that. I'm standing right behind that. Uh, Papelbon, I think, was on a Butch. 
whoever was on, I think it might have been Papa. I know they had a Sunday night show. And so I got back to the station, I swear to God. And they said, we were really disappointed with your coverage uh, of the World Series. He says, because you weren't aggressive enough during the, during the Fred Conner interview and the Papelbon interview. I said, well, the point was that these guys belong to Emerson and, and Butch. I said, they paid these guys during the regular season. Don't you understand? It was part of their show. And uh, they said, well, we're going to keep you off the parade. We're going to put Burton on to do the parade. What? That's, what? that's exactly what happened. <laughs> so, Unbelievable. Uh, you can't, he nailed me, Joe. I said, I'm just trying to be a good guy and not interfere with Channel 7's relationship with Francona. Be a jerk about it. There it is. Well, that was it. Yeah. Well, you had no shortage of those relationships that we couldn't touch through the years. So I don't <laughs> feel true. bad for you, pal. All right. At <laughs> all. True. Not even a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I got a story. Lynchy, you know, we're at the old Yankee Stadium. We had to get up on that hill right at the end of the game yep. on the side of the parkway with the trash and all the fans coming through us. You know, messing with us outside, outside, outside the stadium, the grassy outside knoll, the, we called it. Yeah. the grassy knoll. Yeah. So we, for some reason, I would always end up right next to Bob. I think maybe our photographers or friends or something, which was awful. Like I'm next to Lobel. Oh, so, so, so it's 2003. You're you're like further away. You're up there too, but you're further away from me. But he's right next to me. So it's 2003. The Pedro in too long thing. It's, a, it's awful the way they lost, one of the worst losses ever. Everybody. But we're right back there in 2004 for the big comeback where they're going to beat them in that seventh game. So I'm standing up there, and I'm like, it's unbelievable. They're going to the World Series, and I'm trying to concentrate about what I'm going to say. And Bob's over here. You know, he's got a lot to say to me. He's yapping away. <laughs> so he's trying to convince me, Lynchy, that it's a good idea that we put our cameras together and we both appear on both stations together because this moment's bigger than channel four and channel seven. And he's dead serious. Okay. And I'm saying to myself, he's almost got me too. Like, I'm like, Oh, maybe we should do this. And then I think I'm like, if he puts me on channel four, not really a big deal. If I put Bob Lobel on channel seven, I'm getting fired. But he he thought it was the greatest idea to this. I'll never forget it. I and, 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 and finally, I say, and he's like disappointed. He's like, okay, all right. I'm like, all right, I got to go. I, I have work to do over here. I don't remember that show at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what happened. Clever, <laughs> <laughs> actually. It's amazing. So, you know, it's amazing that people in the front office, how they viewed things as opposed to how we viewed things out in the field. Yeah. You know, we were yeah. competitors, but we were teammates. Yeah, yeah, they we're just, in the same. They were just bottom line advertising competitors. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. The they, truth. they have, uh, have no idea what what goes on. How you know how, how you have to run and sprint outside and get something done. Get back inside, find out what you missed. Like like Brady Little leaving uh, Pedro in too long. We missed it with six. I think it was. Five to two Red Sox when we went outside. When we came back in, it was six to five Yankees. And yeah. Had no idea what happened. You know, we yeah, I mean, remember those games. Uh, I think it was games four and five. They were 14 and 12 innings. So we were standing outside of those stadiums 
listening on, you know, through our earpiece or a little monitor or something for all those innings. I mean, it was an hour plus, you know, those games got on. Uh, remember, they, they got over after midnight. So we're out there trying to put the pieces together. And then as soon as it ends, bang, go. And we're <laughs> looking at each other. Covering, you want a job covering sports? <laughs> Don't get into a winning team sports television station because you'll never see a, you'll never see a play. Yeah. Yeah. Them. When, when, when Ortiz hit the Grand Slam against the Tigers, I was out in the street. I had no idea what happened. People are screaming and yelling. I'm yelling at some guy, you know, who's in the standing room only in, you know, in the right field grandstand. I said, what happened? You know, of course, they yelled down with all kinds of profanity. You know, yeah, Ortiz, I have an home run. I have an home run. And I'm like, oh, my God. Don't go up <laughs> on the air. And, um, you know, but we've been, Lobie and I were in the uh, downstairs when uh, the ball went through Buckner's legs. We never saw it. You know, yeah. you know everyone's heard that story because we, we were ready for the celebration. Never I'll saw tell you it. what. I'll tell you what's funny, and you guys are probably the same way, from standing out in front of <clears throat> Fenway through all those games, I could almost tell you, pitch by pitch, what happened based on the fans. Was it a ball? Was it a strike? Was it a ground out, a fly ball, a deep fly ball? You know, depending on which team was up by the crowd reaction, because we spent so much time yeah. listening to the crowd trying to figure out what's taking place. <laughs> yeah. And when you heard the organ, you knew it was out number three. It was a great – Go back to Fenway Park. There was, and maybe someday will be again, but certainly isn't now, a great energy between the fans uh, all over the ballpark and on the streets and the whole, the whole area. It was just one combined ball of energy, and you could read exactly what was going on without seeing a scoreboard or, or hearing a word. It was pretty – it was a real gift to be a part of that whole time. Yep. Indeed. Yeah. So let, let me take you back to last night. I, I was watching Channel 5 News at 6 o'clock, and everybody mm -hmm. was on the floor. Is that because the game started at 8.30? You were allowed down there? Yeah, so they've the last couple of years, they've allowed us to stay on the floor, but not in the finals, just be, because it gets too crowded. So we were we, everyone was down on the floor, and that's the way it had been. Um, and again, yeah, with the 8.30 start, there's plenty of time to get out of there. You're not up against 7 o'clock or, or 7.30. That's all that was, yeah. So you have to be up upstairs for uh, like 7.30 games to do your live yeah, show? Yeah, they they usually clear you an hour before the game. But I, I know you're, you're kind of remembering some of those ones where they're trying to clear us and at 6.30 and we're right up against it. But with the 8.30 starts, we were fine. No, we, we, and we were, we were always pretty excited about that, being out of there nice, nice and early. You know, when they, <laughs> just when they come down and tell us at like 6.18 that we have to right. get there right, right. away. <laughs> yep. And then for the NBA finals, they just they move us all to nine now. You're not even down there, even pregame, even on the road. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not it's a different animal. It's a different animal. I miss the old. I miss the Bruins games at the Boston Garden when you're on the ice doing your your sportscast on the ice, right? Right by the players' bench or whatever it was. Yeah, right from the bench. Yeah, right from the bench. Yeah, it was different. Boy, you know those relationships have been watered down because of that. I mean. You know, Lynchy caught a lot of it at the end. You caught some of it at the end too, too, Bob. And it's like, you know, spring training, the access, Patriots training camp. You know, it's the opportunities that you guys had to forge relationships with players and management and coaches. This next generation will never, ever get any of that. Yeah. Hey, Joe, did you attend in Patriots press conferences? Did you go in and attend those Belichick? Uh, were you in the in that little uh, meet and greet room with Belichick and when he took 
questions and answers from the press? Uh, this season or, or Any, in general? In general. In gen- yeah, many, many times, sure. Just, I mean, didn't you, you ever want to, to, did you ever want to stand up and say, come on, Bill, just why are you doing this? You know, I, I think, and I'll, I'd be interested to see what Lynchy says on this too. I think at the beginning, I was like, man, this guy's given us nothing. Why does he have to be like this? And then over time, when people would ask a question, I was almost like laughing on the inside, yeah. knowing what was about to come next. Yeah. And I and I started to really enjoy it. And, and for the last probably five years or so, six years, I've just enjoyed it, Bob. I just, I'm like, he's going to do what he's going to do. And I know you guys you know, have spoken with him off camera and in privacy, privacy, and he's completely different. And he, and he really does let his guard down just in terms of who he is as a person, not revealing information, of course, but he's a completely different guy. Lynch, you had his show for, for a while there, you know, better than anyone. Yeah, it was, uh, I, I feel the same way you do. I, and especially when he got deep, deeper into the playoffs, every news station would send a news reporter down. And the new, I know I'm going to be the guy that's going to crack Belichick. I'm going to be the guy that's going to get an answer out of him. And the question comes, and I go, "Oh no, oh no, please don't answer." Here it comes, here it comes. I said, first it's going to be the, the death stare, like who are you? And Belichick will stare at him, and then he'll give him some answer. And you're right, you're laughing like hell on the inside because it, it's actually pretty good entertainment. And I hate to say it, but he's more entertaining when they when they lose than when he yeah. wins. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How do you uh, think he ever came up to, with on to Cincinnati? Or, where did he ever come up with that line? It was no. probably what, like you with all your lines. It was probably just something he just said and people grabbed onto it. You know, <laughs> you know, why can't we get players like that? Time to hit the tam- panic button. You probably just said those things one day randomly, like a random no, thought. No, no, no. And then you're like, man, people like that. I'm going to keep saying it now. <laughs> you know, same thing. I don't think he thought about it at all. Probably not. No. You know? Oh, we're on to Cincinnati. Yeah, right? All right. Uh, yeah, Cincinnati. They're one of the great lines of all time. That's it. Right after they got, they got smoked on that Monday night game in Kansas yep. City. And, you know, I think Mike Chiardi might have asked him if he thought about changing his quarterback. And um, he said, we're on to Cincinnati. And we're on to Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. And and it became it became great. So now we're on to everything. What, what are we yeah. on yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's like people will say they're on to anything now in, here in New England based on that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's the truth. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what do you do if, 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 if the Celtics come out next year and have a great regular season again? Is Rell going to be – everyone going to be saying, yeah, but remember what happened last year. We had a great regular season. Nothing really it, – it doesn't seem like – I care less about the regular season because we all know it means absolutely nothing. You know, our team's going to put as much value on the regular season as they have in the past. The Bruins have had a history of it. Like they used to hang Adams division banners in the garden. Um, Mm -hmm. Winning the president's trophy is such a big thing. Are we ever going to see the day when people go, I don't really give a crap about the regular season as long as we make the playoffs period. Man, I, I, I go back to the promotion of this sport and the promotion of this league because they try to engage the fans so much. That's where they're making their money. And I think they do a really good job of it, of making people care about the regular season. So they have to appear as if they care about the regular season. Um, so, 
but as an organization, should they be thinking about building teams with guys who were built for the postseason? Yes. But I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm watching guys like Tatum and Brown and not them alone. It's the whole league, all the stars. You're up by 25 in the fourth quarter and you have your star in there because he's trying to hit 40 points. So he can up his average and say he scored 40. And I just I, I just there's something about that that's rubbed me the wrong way over the last couple of years in this sport, because that's 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 padding your stats. That's how you become an all pro. That's how you become an all star. That's all those individual awards. And I, I'd rather see them earned a little differently than the way they're being earned in the sport right now, because what you have is these players they've created that don't know how to perform when it counts. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. What do you got there, Bob? You got, you got another commercial you're going to read? No, I'd be happy to read this other commercial. I was just thinking about uh, how the National Hockey League's played itself out since the Bruins have disappeared. It's like the National Hockey League's disappeared. I mean, you either had to be a hockey fan. I mean, tell me what's happened in the National Hockey League since the Bruins have lost. Wow. Other than, I, other than Florida winning. And that's wow. just an afterthought. Yeah, right? I mean, you've, you've got fans that don't Carolina? have what that. Happened to, what happened to Kachuk? What's going on with uh, <laughs> Vegas? Yeah. What's going on with, now, has anybody even really talked about Vegas and Cassidy and uh, – you know, there's no history there. You know, that's that's what it comes down to. There's no history. There's no generations of fans who've been fans of these teams to 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 carry that fan base. There's no history between these teams and other teams where you could hate Vegas or hate the Panthers. There isn't enough history there. And imagine that if Cassidy goes on, wins the uh, Stanley Cup. You know, no oh, one. Yeah. Will, I think that's talk about it. I mean, wouldn't you want? Don't you think that would be a headline, at least here in Boston? Yeah. I mean, fired Bruins coach is still <laughs> in, the, <laughs> in the Stanley Cup Finals. Well, I'm going to be around for another month. I'm going to make sure that happens on Channel That's Seven right. because we got we got that and the Red Sox right now. So I'm <laughs> I'm I'm happy to do the Cassidy story. Are you happy with what's going on with you? I am. I'm very happy. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm just I'm just ready. And um, well, I just know it was in, you know, I, I read, read about it. I, I couldn't believe it. I guess if you're ready, you're ready. But ask Lynchy and I if we were ever ready. <laughs> well, you guys, let, let's just be real here for a second. You guys got to the finish line. All right. I know you weren't ready. And I know you guys were still, you know, the best in the market still when you left. So, I mean, you, you guys were fortunate to be able to be on that long in my opinion but yeah it sucked when it ends and i know how it ended you know from speaking with you guys um but you know i got a long way to go here i got to get to the finish line in life you know <laughs> you guys are you guys had you guys got to the finish line in in our careers in the in our profession and um and and thankfully you guys went out when you were the best so i mean again i'm not crying for you lobel i'm not crying for you at all man <laughs> You know, who's going to cry for you? I'm trying to do you a favor where you're interviewing with Francona and I get myself fired. <laughs> uh, I got to go back and watch that tape. That's unfortunate. I just did not want to ask any questions. How can I ask when you're interviewing Francona and I know he's your property because you're paying him whatever for a Sunday night show. What? Why? How could I possibly interfere with a question? 
Well, I mean, you think I, you think that didn't happen to me a hundred times with you. And when I first, with the stuff with Patino, I know that's true. You had his show. I'm on, I'm on him in South Florida. Lynchy. I'm on Patino. I've known him since I was 12 years old. Okay. Yeah. I have his cell phone number. I'm on him. Okay. I know what golf course he's playing on. He's playing golf with Bob Lobel the day after he disappears down there. I know who he's playing golf with. Okay. I know the golf course. I'm there. I got video from, from on the side. I'm like, I know where they are. I remember I know the what, video. I know the private club that he belongs to where he's probably taking Lobel for dinner afterwards. So I'm there hanging in the lobby. Those two come walking in and, 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 and Rick's like, Hey, I got to stick with Lobel. I do the show with him. I'm going to do the interview with Bob tonight. I got to let him have the story. You know, you understand. I'm like, yeah, I understand. He's like, come back tomorrow at 10 AM. We'll do it right here out by the pool. I'm like, great. By the time I do that interview at 10 AM the next day, no one cares because Lobel had just played golf with him and done the thing the night before. So I don't feel bad for you, Lobi, at all. <laughs> if I feel any if it makes you feel any better, I do feel badly for you for that. I do. You remember. shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. No, 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 you no. Shouldn't. I know, but I do. But uh, he did. It was a tough position for him to be in. Uh, but I understood the right thing would have done. What he should have done us both right there. No way. No way. That was your guy. You earned it. You okay. had it. I mean, come on. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right, fine. I'm just saying, <laughs> I remember that like it was yesterday. Yeah. And yeah. I'm still embarrassed by it, to say the truth. Well, I, playing golf somewhere else? Oh. <laughs> I whiffed on that one. I don't know. Wait, oh, yeah. you got us plenty of times, too, so let's not start doing that. Yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> It was all it was all good. It was all sweet. All right, let me do this other uh, commercial because we're talking about Indian Creek was the name of the golf course. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Shula had a house there. Yeah, uh, Willie Nelson. Right, right. It was a it was a totally what an exclusive place. I couldn't get on the island. I was shooting from a peninsula next door to it. It was a it was a it was a pretty exclusive place. But anyway. Uh, okay, campers, now's the time to see a fantastic selection of travel trailers, fifth wheelers, motorhomes, pop-ups, and park models. Cold Springs RV in Ware, New Hampshire, the doors are open, and you can freely browse. Go in, check it out, take a sniff test, or check out the deals right there, coldspringrv.com. I said deals. Do you know that Cold Springs RV is one of the region's largest state-of-the-art service centers if you are an experienced auto technician, here's something for you, Joe, for the future. If you would like to be an auto technician for the future <laughs> or someone who is ready to learn, this is, um, feel free to use my name. Cold Springs <laughs> RV is great benefits and positions open at their Pro RV Service Center. Joe Amarcino, you know, in charge management. Have you ever thought of becoming an auto technician? Well, uh, they are ready to train you. Learn more at teamcoldsprings.com. That would be a handy tool to have, that kind of information. You're very useful. Okay, great. So remember John Madden had a Madden Cruiser, Joe? Yep. So Cold Springs RV is building a Lobby Cruiser. This is real. Uh, well, 
We, we think they're building it. We're working on our world. Going on for about a year and a half. Nothing's okay. real in our world. You know, it's, it's like it's like building a spaceship. You know, you know it's, it takes a while. A lot of a lot of test runs, and they would test pilots out there. But anyway, um, we're going to let you ride in the in the lobby cruiser cross country. Whoa. But you have to bring one person to ride with you that you can talk to or interview the whole way, all, all the way across country. It can be any player. Alive or dead, or a coach, a sports or manager, limit the NBA, you want to just limit, uh, say anybody. I'll let you pick mm. one. I'm bringing Belichick. Belichick. I want to know. I want to. I want to know everything. All the things we don't know. I'm going Belichick. Belichick. All right. What were some of the questions that you would ask him? Yeah, what don't you know, Joe? What don't you well, know? Well, I'd go back to the beginning. I mean, we, we we know what's played out, but we don't know how things have played out behind the scenes. Going back to the very beginning and how he got here, what he was promised, when he came from the walked away from the Jets, to the to the stuff that happened with Lawyer Malloy and Willie Clay and how that fractured somehow very quickly and he cleaned them right out and reset. To the, to the different uh, Tom Brady's career, their relationship as it's gone along. Uh, and gentlemen, I mean, the obvious. I mean, we've, we had a number of different so-called scandals along the way. What really happened and how much of it was the Patriots being made an example of for things that everyone was doing and how much of it was they just took it a little too far. So, I mean, I, I'd have a lot to ask him about, and that's with a ton of respect. Uh, because he, I'm a big Belichick guy, and that's why I, I would choose him. I'd probably ask him, uh, I think he'd answer the question about Malcolm Butler. <sighs> there you go. I mean, there's so many of them. You asked me, what would I ask him? I mean, we could we could go across country and back twice. There's plenty there. <laughs> <laughs> now, if, you had, if you had the option of, t- of, of uh, substituting Parcells for Belichick, would you or would you stay Belichick? Tempting, because it, he obviously – be much more entertaining in the way he delivered information, but I, I think I'd stick with Belichick. Yeah. I think you're right. I think it's a good good call, isn't it, Bob? I think it's a perfect call. I think you just got to be in, ready to be engaged and just, you know, ready to be forthcoming and yeah, you got to have your ducks. You well, what what about you guys, real quick? Who are you picking? Well, we're more of the entertainers. I, I would pick <laughs> Charles Barkley. All right, there you go. <laughs> You're a showman. I can understand that. But I would yeah. also go with Parcells too. Yeah, yeah. Um, better TV. Like... Better. Sorry, Lynchy. Better TV. Lobel, you're thinking better TV. I'm thinking. I want information. I want to know what's going on. Sorry, Lynchy. I, I I probably would go. Uh, I, I I'd go Bird. Larry Bird. Um, yeah. You know, I want to know what uh, what happened at Chelsea's that night. The fight. I want to know uh, what he, we we've already heard. He's already said his favorite teammate was Dennis Johnson, but who was his least favorite teammate? Who was his least favorite guy to play against? And now Michael Cooper was. But who did he hate playing against? Was it Lambeer? Was huh. it, uh, you know, I, I think you could get a lot of four one one from Bird. Yeah, yeah, uh, good. He's on my short list too, for sure. Yeah. So well, I don't know. If he, maybe I didn't interview the general manager that fired me. <laughs> that I'd like to see. Yeah. yeah. One-on-one in the local That'd be pretty good. I told him I was part of the solution, not the problem. I did tell him that. Yeah. 
Didn't like that, huh? I don't think so. <laughs> I think he already made up his mind. You know, when you get to that point, you pretty much have made up your mind. You know, oh. Joe was uh, Joe was one of our interns at Channel Five. You know that, Bob? I do know that. Yes. You yeah. have a long list of. Uh, of Lynchy turns them out. Yeah, he knows. Lynchy turns them out. out. You know, we had some good ones. You no, know, he didn't know. coddle us. That that was a big part of it. There was no coddling. There was a lot of uh, very straight and to the point. You know, this is how we're going to do it, and that's the way we're going to do it. So well, do we're it. in a different shop, Joe. Yeah, I know. Lobby <laughs> had Alan Milligan all their instruments. A little differently. I don't think that any males, they're all females over Channel uh -huh. 4. I've been gifted to have Alan Miller at Channel 7 in the building know, yeah. over the last five years or so. And I mean, you See, guys under, you guys have to understand how much of a gift that is because – you know, you have a lot of younger people, a lot of people don't understand sports and sports history, and a lot of people making decisions because they're a news department for the reasons they make them. Not that they're wrong, but it's just so great to be able to look over at Alan every once in a while and know there's someone in the room is thinking exactly what you're thinking. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly yeah. right. Tell you one quick story about Channel 20, 22 in Springfield, right? Is it 25, yep. 22 in Springfield? It's 22, yeah. There was remember the uh, John Cheney Calipari argument after the basketball game between UMass yes. and Keppel, and Calipari came charging into the. Well, Twenty Two had the video of that, and they put it up on the the uh, internet or whatever they put you know on the feed. Yeah, the satellite feed. Satellite, yep. But we were not able to use it. At least in theory, you picked it off. In theory, <laughs> theory, we're not able to use it. Oh, I'll, I'll never forget this. Alan was sitting in a studio watching, or sitting in the office watching this come down about ten minutes before eleven, and uh, Alan said, "That's got to get on television. Period. That has got to get on television. I don't care if it's Channel Twenty Two or Channel 35 in, in Des Moines, that's going yeah. to get on television, and it's getting on this television station. <laughs> <laughs> he put it on. Oh, that's <laughs> great. Everything, you know, he would not be, he said, that has to be on television. It, it's really good stuff like that. That's how hard charging you Yeah, Love that. It's better to, better to ask forgiveness than it is to ask permission. Yep. Yep. All the time. Um, I never... Alan got into an automobile accident once going, ever going down to Cleveland Circle after one of our shows, Cleveland, you know, Cleveland City Side, Cleveland Circle. Yeah. Uh, it was a snowstorm. I can't, I don't understand why he, he turned left right in front of this car and the car <laughs> T-boned him. Okay. And in the passenger side. So I'm right behind him. So Jesus, I jumped out. I said, Alan, before we go to the hospital, give me everything in your glove compartment. <laughs> oh, jeez. These are the kinds of relationships we had. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I'll take you to the hospital if that's what you really want to do. Oh. Anyway, so he, he, we had so many so many great times. Yeah. Did you work at Channel 4, Joe? No. No. No, no never did. Okay. Providence, Channel 7? Yep, I worked at Cape 11 News on the Cape, was my first on-air job. Followed John Butchergrass down there. 
and then yep. went to channel 12 followed him there as well and yep. then um and then we had the turnover at seven there and i was lucky to get that job as a as a reporter at seven and, was that and or dino uh gino was there yeah oh we Dino. Had, what about no, dino, dino it was when dino left dino left was going to the radio and fran charles was leaving at that time i think he may have been going to the nfl network at that point i'm not sure so there was turnover and Gary Gillis was still there and Gene Levanchi had been elevated to the to the main job at that point. I was lucky to go into that office with those two guys, you know, yeah. really, and the producers that are in there, too. You know, you never got to work with Dino. No, but Uncle Dino used to weigh in on a lot of things. Believe <laughs> me, he would still make appearances in the office and um, he still makes appearances on my phone with text messages and videos of him on the golf course and. Uh, sage advice he continues to have for me. Yeah. Oh, you're a lucky man. Yeah, real lucky. How do I get to, how do I get, to get on that? <laughs> you know, the thing about Dino is, right, so he had to go on the radio and he had to give us all a hard time and everyone has their day where Dino goes after you and he means it and it's what he does and it was part of his thing. But the thing about Dino is if he gives you, says something about you on the radio and you call him, he answers the phone and he says it to you again. And then he says, okay, well, you want to meet up somewhere and talk about it? Like you want to go fight on the corner. And I respect him for that. And I like him for that because a lot of guys, they say something about you and then you try to call them. They avoid you. They don't answer the call. They don't return the call. They avoid you in person. Dino doesn't do that. So I'm okay with Dino. Jeez, you like everybody you like Belichick. You're like Patino. You're like Dino. Yeah. <laughs> What are you going to be doing after this? I got Joe? people. I got people I don't like in life. They're just not them. Now that you're going to be moving away from television in a month or so, what are you going to be doing? I, I started doing some uh, commercial real estate projects uh, back in 2014, and I've I've kind of been doing both at the same time, and I'm just ready to to go full time into that. It's my family's business now, and. I think that's where I want to put my attention and it's going to just give me a better lifestyle in terms of not working at night and, uh, and doing some things that way. My wife owns, um, Belisante day spas in Boston, Lexington and, and Wellesley. And it's just, there's a lot going on in my house in terms of our family businesses. And it's just time, you know, that's what we'll, that, what I'll be doing for the next 20 years. You have day spas in your house? No, we have them in Boston, Lexington, and Wellesley. Bella Sante, that's my wife's business. I've been to the Wellesley. Yeah, Lynchy's been in there. Uh -oh. yeah. Don't don't bother calling me. That's all right. <laughs> Are you going to be a hairdresser, Joe? No, I'm training, but no. No, I don't work for my wife at all. She, <laughs> she has her own program. They don't want me anywhere near that. Trust me. I, I don't even go in the door. I can see you I'm, doing I'm not involved in that at all. Yeah. I can see you doing Manny Petties and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Pretty good, dude. I hey, can see what? you going in there to get one. I, I went in there one day to get a haircut. I think she was, uh, she had the, used to have a business relationship with Peeny. Uh, Peeny Swisser was there for a while, yeah. Yeah. So I used to go in there and get a haircut. Hey, Bob, did you know this? That Joe's dad, Joe, Joe Amrosino, the senior, the father, was my counselor and coach at Sam Jones basketball camp. I knew that he was a coach at uh, Sam Jones. Well, he was a coach at, at, at North Quincy, uh, um, uh, BU. Um, he I, was, I knew that Joe's dad was a, was big in the basketball. Great coach and great that. reputation. But I first met him when I was in the eighth grade. And I was uh, and our coaches were Joe Emerson and Don Nelson. And, <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I never forgot that. And then um, 
you know, I always kept in touch with him. I became a referee, and then uh, Joe went to college. He was at Don Bosco, and then went to, to BU, and um, Joe became one of our interns. I got the best picture of us, Joe, walking off the field in, in uh, Colorado. You and me and Alice Cook and uh, Alan Miller and the whole crew that was out there. That was pretty cool. Oh, aren't you yeah. going to miss this, Joe? Aren't you going to miss it? Yeah, I mean, of course we're going to miss we're going to miss those moments. You know, I remember walking off the field with you and in um, in Phoenix. You know, I remember I, I remember sitting next to Lynchy during every single one of these games. We always sat next to each other in the press box. I remember that my favorite moment, Lynchy, is you know the Bruins are on that run in 2011, and you always had the red notebook. And the Bruins are up by like three goals in the third period. And you, boom, close it. You look at me. And that's the end of that. All of a sudden, Milan Lucic, Milan Lucic. All of a sudden, you open the note back, back up. And I say to myself, oh, no, this is happening. If Lynchy's opening that note back, book back up, this is going <laughs> down. And sure enough, next thing you know, we're going all the way to Vancouver. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, mean, I just, I miss, the, I'll miss those things. Those are great memories, you know, you know, covering the events and, and with the people I covered them with, you know, those are Jack yeah. Edwards stories, Lynch, opening a red notebook and uh, oh, nothing like George, nothing like Jack, Jack had red colors. pens and green, oh, green ink. And, uh, and I, I yeah. He, he worked, he worked at channel seven too. And I think people don't realize that once upon a time we needed to log these Patriots games ourselves. There was no log on the internet. Yeah. And I have Jack's log still in our office with his three colors, with the blue, green, and red pen. Everything, <laughs> unbelievable notes. Uh, he, he's no joke. Oh, you bring him to the games for crying out loud. He'd, you know, he'd sit there in the booth, and, his, and I'm sure he sits there with Brickley to have with four or five colored pens yeah. doing the same thing he did. Oh, he's something. He is something. Roger, remember there were into. In, uh, in, uh, Jack did something to piss off Roger Clemens one day. And um, so they were all standing in front of Clemens' locker. Clemens was there. And Clemens says, I'm not answering anybody's questions until Jack Edwards is removed. And I remember says, that. I remember anyway. that story. You are not my assignment editor. Dick Molinari is. <laughs> until right. Dick Molinari asked me to leave, I am not moving. And Clemens says, well, there'll be no questions that will be answered. Now everyone's like saying, Jack, scroll. We are so we can get, get get this interview done. And he wouldn't leave. He wouldn't budge. That's Jack. Uh, That's Jack. Yeah. My headphones are about to go. So do I need to switch over or right, we – uh, uh, Hold on. I'll get one more spot. We'll say goodbye. How's that? All right? All right. All right. Are you thinking about a new – you going to need a new car, Joe, when you're uh... – Nope. Good. Nope. You're Thank good you, but I'll pay attention. All right. If you're thinking about a new vehicle, go with me and Lobie go. Go see our friend George Gray at George Gray's Lexington Toyota. We've been customers for years because we know George will treat you right. They're a family-owned and operated dealership that we trust and you can trust as well. Go see the great George Gray at Lexington Toyota. You will not be disappointed. You'll be part of the family, part of the Lexington Toyota family. All right, your headphones are going, so uh, we'll wrap this up. Um, oh, I got supposed to read something at the end, too. Hold on here. What are you going to read? Well, let me say it. Let me just wrap it up by telling them yeah. how happy we're happy to have, how happy we are to have Joe on today. And uh, it won't be the last time. And the next time we'll be talking business, we'll be renting a business somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you can tell us. Except it's called none of your business. <laughs> there you go. No, thank and guys, thank you so much for having me on. It means a ton to be on with you too. And um, I will be in touch with both of you and, and stay in contact. My headphones are going to go. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to hold my position as if I'm in a live shot, even though I can't hear anything, as if I can. 
Okay. All right. Thanks, folks. Don't forget to follow us on social media and subscribe on YouTube on your favorite podcasting app. That's the story. Bye, Joe. Bye, everybody. See you all later. Bye-bye. Adios. Good job. Unanchored Boston is a presentation of Unanchored Media, a Burke Advertising LLC company. For show information, visit unanchoredboston.com. Thank you.